And so tonight we're looking at Revelation. Revelation 1, verses 1 through 8. So let's give our attention tonight to God's Word. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John, who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that He saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of, the, of kings on earth, to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom, priests to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The grass withers and the flowers fade away, but the Word of God stands forever. So let me pray for us before we consider it further tonight. Heavenly Father, we are here, we've come here tonight, no doubt, for a a myriad of reasons. But for whatever the reason that we've come into this room, and whether we know it or not, the thing that we need most is to hear from you. We need it more than we need to meet a new friend. We need it more than, uh, than anything we could imagine. And so, Father, we pray that you would speak to us tonight through your word. That you would open up our ears so that we might hear and our hearts so that we might believe. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, this might seem like sort of a, a strange place to start, but... Uh, don't worry, I'm just using it as an, as an illustration. Um, if you followed the news at all at the, end, at the very end of the spring semester and throughout the summer, you know that Baylor, uh, unfortunately, was in the news a great deal. Um, with all of the scandal uh, and the questions of, of what went on and who did what, it, it, it's just been a mess. And I don't know about you, I don't know how closely you followed it, but if you're like me, in the midst of all that, I found myself asking this question that what what really happened? That's what I wanted to know. I wanted to know if I could just if I could just know what really happened. What's the truth? It would be really helpful, I think. Um, because you know, with so many questions and not knowing, it, it, it ends up leave, leaving us confused about, uh, you know, about the issues. You don't know what to feel or think or, or do because you're not really sure what the truth is. And I think it's particularly int- troubling when, you know, it's, it's been an environment that you, you think you know, right? Baylor, it's this wonderful place that we all love and it's safe. And, and then all of a sudden there, there are all these questions. And, and you very well might find yourself, uh, like I did, sort of looking up and thinking, what in the world is going on here? 
And I don't know if you found yourself asking that question about, uh, about that issue, uh, but if not, or even so, you've probably found yourself asking that question about some aspect of life or just life itself. Looking around this world that we live in and just wondering what in the world is going on. You know, it might be because it might be because of some sort of life event, like your uh, your parents getting divorced, somebody getting sick, um, a death in the family, some sort of failure on your part, the way somebody treated you, and you look up and you think, "What is going on in the world? What's happening?" And if you can identify with that, and hopefully even if you can't, uh, I think I think Revelation is exactly for you. We're going to spend this semester studying through the book of Revelation. And I want you to know that if you find yourself wanting to know the truth of this world, and maybe even if you find yourself confused about it, and wondering, overwhelmed by it, what life's handed you, then you're in the right place. Revelation was written exactly for that purpose. Uh, We're going to sort of unpack that tonight a little bit. Um, But it was written to people that were confused and overwhelmed by life. And it's a book that God wrote to those people and to us by extension to encourage us. To show us the truth of what really is going on in this world. And our theme this semester, which you'll hear me say every week, is uh, about Revelation, is the unveiled truth. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight as we begin our, our study. I want, you to see, uh, I want you to see the unveiled truth of Revelation. And we're going to look at that in three ways tonight. We're going to see that Revelation, the book, is number one, buckle up for this, revealing. Number two... We're going to see that Revelation is from God. Thirdly and finally, we're going to see that Revelation is about Jesus. Okay? So let's dive in. Revelation is revealing. And now I know that some of you are already thinking about what you're going to be doing next Wednesday night because you're sure not coming here to hear genius stuff like Revelation is revealing. But (laughs) give me a second, maybe. I think, uh, I think you'll, you might appreciate this. Notice in verse 1, the very beginning of the, of the book or letter, it begins, with this, it begins with the very same word as its title, Revelation. And in the original language, in the Greek, the Greek word for what we translate as revelation is apocalypsis. And now it's pretty obvious that from that Greek word, we get the word apocalypse, right? And so if I asked you, if I'd asked you, how, how would you define the word apocalypse? My guess is that you would say, or at least think something like this, that it means something like you know, mass destruction, uh, the end of the world, utter chaos, everything getting destroyed, something like that, right? Apocalyptic, right? that's how we use it. And you wouldn't be wrong because that is how we use it. The new Oxford American Dictionary, the one on your Mac, right? I didn't work that hard. It defines apocalypse as this. The complete final destruction of the world, number two, was an event involving destruction or damage on an awesome or catastrophic scale. But what I want you to hear and what I want you to to recognize tonight is that 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 Greek word, apocalypsis, apocalypse, it actually means in the Greek, 
Revelation. It means revealing. It means to reveal something. It's the same word that you would use for, um, for pulling back the curtain, on so, uncovering something. And so we're going to say that every week. Um, God is pull, it's like God is pulling back the curtain of reality and showing us what's really true in life. You know, it made me think of the, of the Wizard of Oz. Have, you, have we seen the Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, you're familiar. Um, Dorothy and their friends make their way to the Emerald City, right? They're going to see the Wizard of Oz in hopes of getting back home. And, and when they come into his uh, you know, palace... He seems to be this awesome being, right? It's loud and, the, uh, you know, he's, he's huge and mysterious and he's frightening. And they're terrified of him until what happens? It's, it's been out for 80 years, so, you know, if I spoil it for you, that's your fault. But what happens? Toto, the dog, goes around to this, uh, you know, little what green curtain and he grabs the curtain and he pulls it back. And what they see is that this great and mysterious Oz is really just this little old, you know, timid man uh, pushing some buttons and pulling some levers, right? And so now that the curtain has been pulled back, now they see what's really going on. And they're not confused anymore. They're not afraid anymore. They get it because the truth has been revealed to them. All right. What I want you to see is that that is exactly what revelation is. That's what this book is doing. That's why God gave it to us. It's God pulling back the curtain of this world to reveal the truth to us, to show us what's really going on. Uh, It was written, humanly speaking, by the Apostle John, uh, probably around, uh, so basically it's a letter to, that John writes to these seven churches, and we're going to see representatively it's to, it's to the church, um, sort of the church universal. And he writes it at the end of the first century. So the church is just a few decades old. And yet what's happening is that the church is under great persecution. Uh, under the Roman Empire, the new emperor is a, a Domitian. And he was persecuting Christians severely. And so now, in a sense, all of a sudden, it's very inconvenient to be a follower of Jesus. Right? You're getting persecuted. Your friends are getting killed. Um, it's hard to buy things. You can't really operate uh, you know, life the way you want to if you're, a, if you're a Christian. The government hates you. And yet, what you believe, remember what you believe. You believe in the God of the universe who came in the person of Jesus Christ, was killed, and then resurrected, and then ascended into heaven, and is the King of kings. And so this Jesus that you believe in is in control of everything. And yet you're looking around the world, and all you're getting is is pain and suffering. So you can imagine these first century Christians looking around life and going, what is going on? This world doesn't make any sense. And so it's to those people and to us that God gives this book of Revelation to say, I know what it feels like, but here's what's really true about the world. And he pulls back the curtain. All right, how do we apply that real quick? What does that matter? I think it changes potentially everything about how we read Revelation. As we head into this study for the semester, right? we 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 have to sort of set our trajectory 
And so what it means is that Revelation is not designed to scare you. Revelation is not designed to confuse you. The book of Revelation is not written to conceal something. Which I think often that's the way that we think about it. It's not a secret code book about the end of the world. That, you know, that you've got to figure out and it's written to hide stuff. It's actually the opposite. Right? It's right there in the text, in the first verse. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ given by God. And so what are we going to do, though, with God? Yeah, God wants us to know the truth. So what are we going to do with all these confusing symptoms? Because, look, it's going to get weird, right? Don't, you know, don't think that I just hadn't read past chapter 1. <laughs> it's going to get weird. So what are we going to do with all these strange symbols and whatnot? Well, basically, we're going to use the Old Testament. What I want to suggest to you is that everything that we're going to see, we're almost going to see nothing new in Revelation. Very little new. The the vast majority of this are are symbols and and, and images from the Old Testament that God is using and and giving new life to and portraying truths through. And so we're going to be going back to the Old Testament a lot to understand what they mean. So look, it's not a code that we have to crack and figure out, are are the locusts really helicopters, you know, in this war in the Mideast or something like that? Or is the sign of the beast really a credit card? Should I not have one? And, you know, like, no. And look, some of you, you know, some, just look, to some of you that's funny and that's awesome, right? Because you grew up with good teaching. Some of you are very well might be thinking like, that, that's exactly what that should mean. And I want to suggest to you that it's not. That what God is doing is revealing the truth to us. All right, so look, you see that revelation is actually revealing Hopefully that will be the case. Secondly, what I want you to see is that revelation is from God. Again, you see it in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. And again, this might seem like sort of the second point. This is just super obvious. Um, But I think it's worth thinking about for just a minute. That what you have, the fact that it is God that is pulling back the curtain, right? That what that means is that in the pages of Revelation and really of of the Bible as a whole, you have the ultimate truth revealed to you. You have the very author of life telling you what's true about life. And so therefore, you and I can trust it. He's giving us the ultimate perspective of what's true despite what seems to be true. Uh, it, it may me, yeah. In other words, he's giving us real reality, and we can trust that. It made me think about, and I hope this lands right. It made me think about um, Semi Sonic's song. Does anybody do, do we even remember who Semi Sonic, the band? They're from like the late '90s, also known to me as College. <laughs> um, uh, you may not re- recognize cl- uh, uh, Semi Sonic, but do you remember the song "Closing Time"? You, okay. Yes. Okay. Good. We're gonna be okay. All right, closing time. Uh, you've heard the song written by a guy named Dan Wilson of Semisonic. And it starts with uh, the lyrics, you know, closing time, open all the doors and let you out into the world. Turn the lights up over every girl and every boy. In the pre-chorus, which you're probably familiar with, closing time, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yes. 
Okay. Uh, and then, of course, the chorus. Now we should just all like sing it, but I can't sing. Uh, I know who I want to take me home. I know who I want to take me home. Take me home, right? And so it seems like that that song very clearly is about what? Getting bounced out of a bar at the end of the night, right? The bar is closing, closing time, one last call for alcohol, right? So finish your whiskey or beer. Um, and that it's time to leave the bar. It's pretty obvious. That got sung, you know, hundreds of thousands of times at closing time, I'm sure. And that's what it means until you hear the author of the song tell you what it means. And if you don't know this, you wouldn't guess it in a million years. You need to go home and YouTube it. I'm telling you, it's fascinating. Go home and YouTube it. You know, Dan Wilson, semisonic, closing time, what real meaning. It's about the birth of his first child. And I know you don't believe me, but he goes through the lyrics and it's incredible. You're like, how did, I, how did you not see that? I'm telling you. He explains what it's really about and now you see it in this whole new light. I mean, is it, I showed it to Amy. I was like, look, watch this. And you sit there and you're like, that's incredible. I don't know how I didn't catch it. <laughs> So from then on, you listen to that song, you know, which you will on repeat, right? In a totally different light, because now you know what, what the real truth is. Why? Because the author gave it to you, right? Thank you. Awesome illustration for what the book of Revelation is. <laughs> if I do say so myself. That's what the book of Revelation is. It is the author of life saying, look... Whatever, whatever it might seem like this world is, or what's true about this world, I'm going to show you what's really true. And it's going to change things for us. Right? It might, it might seem like God's asleep at the wheel of the universe, um, or, or just doesn't care, at least just doesn't care about you, because uh, who knows what? Because your family is falling apart. And that's what it seems like. Um, or because somebody in your family has cancer, or because you get sick, or because you've showed up at school and, and you don't have any friends, and it feels like God is not, doesn't care about you, or you find yourself slipping into depression, or maybe what it seems like as you look around the world is that evil is winning, and evil's going to win. Because you see terrorism is on the rise and ISIS and those sorts of things. And, and you just feel it weighing in on you. And you think it, it just doesn't seem like it's gonna, this world's going to work out. But what God is revealing to us in Revelation is that he's sovereign. And that he is on the throne of the universe. It might feel like evil's winning in your own life. And what we're going to see is that is that because God is on the throne of the universe, that evil doesn't move one inch further than he allows it. That's what's really true. You might think it seems like this whole prayer thing is just ridiculous. And that it just... What's it worth? Is it working? But what God's going to reveal to us is that your prayers actually go up and, and ascend to heaven and are, are a sweet aroma to him. And that he actually uses them in his plan. And that they're beautiful to him. Or it might seem like God doesn't care about the evil that was done to you. 
how you were abused or taken advantage of uh, because that guy got away with it or is getting away with it. Or, you know, nothing seems to happen to them. So maybe God's just going to let it all slide in the end. And that's no good. It might seem like that, but what we're going to see is that God pulls back the curtain. He says, it, it might feel like that, but what's really true is that I am perfectly just. And every evil act will find judgment. And so hopefully you'll be willing to stick with us for the rest of this fall and, and put yourself under the reality of God's word. Because it's going to show us the truth. Right in verse 3 tells us that it'll bless us. Alright, so we've seen that uh, Revelation is revealing, that it's from God, thirdly and finally. I want you to see that, <clears throat> that Revelation is about Jesus. Uh, look, our, our last point, Revelation is about Jesus, is essential to understanding. It's, under, it's essential to understanding Revelation, and it's essential to understanding the Bible, and therefore really all of, all of history. Notice again, verse 1, what God is revealing. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So yes, this is showing us the ultimate truth about what's going on in the world, but we can sum all of that up in a sense, that what God is showing us as he pulls back the curtain is Jesus. That the main agenda of Revelation is to reveal to me and you Jesus Christ. As we're going to see uh, in, in weeks to come, the Lamb that was slain. Over and over, it's going to show us Jesus. And look, again, that's going to help us read this really strange book. Because as we wade into all these weird symbols and pictures and, and things like that, we can know that the main point is not, it's not to show us some sort of encoded map of the future. That, that fundamentally what it's doing is showing us Jesus. So it's going to help us not to get lost. We don't have to figure out, you know, if some, some conflict in the Middle East means this and that's what's happening in Revelation 16 and what's going on in 7, you know. That ultimately what it's showing us is Jesus. We don't have to figure out who the Antichrist is. You know, if it's this specific person, it's all about Jesus. Uh, there's a story that if you've ever heard a, uh, a series on Revelation, you, you very well might have heard the story. And in the PCA, our denomination, I'm almost obligated by, you know, contract to use this illustration. But So the story goes that there were some seminary students um, and every, you know, like once a week they would get together and they would play basketball at a, at a local high school gym. And the janitor that would let them in to play basketball, uh, while they would play basketball, he would sit and, and read, read their, one of their Bibles. And so uh, the basketball game finishes, and they come over and tell the janitor thanks, and you know, it's about time for him to lock up. And one of the seminarians says, so what, you, what are you reading tonight? And he says, Revelation. And the seminarian, eyes, his eyes kind of get wide, and he says, oh, really? You understand it? And the janitor looks up and pretty evenly says, yeah, I do. And he says, really? Well, well tell me, teach us, what's, what's it about? And he looks at him and he says, Jesus wins. That's it. Jesus wins. And look, that might sound really simple, like a you know, cute little story. Look, that's it. 
That's what Revelation is about. Jesus wins. That's what I want you to see. It's actually not that hard. But everything about this is revealing Jesus. Who He is, what He's done, and what He's going to do. He's the main focus of life. Right? He's the, it says the Alpha, the Omega, the A to the Z. Right? Um, and so it means that He's the main... He's the one thing that's going to make sense of our lives. We're going to unpack that in weeks to come. Um, He's what you and I need more than anything else. He's what every government needs. He's what every uh, race needs. Every first century believer. Every person, you know, today here in 2016. He's what we need more than anything in our lives to make sense of it. We need Jesus. We don't fundamentally need more money, better circumstances, cooler friends, you know, better car, a better dorm, whatever, better roommate. What we fundamentally need more than anything is Jesus. And so we're going to zoom in on this next week, but as we finish here, I want to focus uh, just for a couple of minutes, and I want us to look, I want us to sort of uh, look at, so who is Jesus? Right? If, if He is what Revelation is all about, what do we learn here? Who is He? Well, verse 5 says He's the faithful witness. <laughs> He's the one that has perfectly and faithfully done what you and I are supposed to do in life, but have failed. He's the one that's come and lived perfectly. He's born, born witness, testified to the truth that God is God. He's the firstborn of the dead. He's the one that has defeated death. His resurrection is the pattern of our resurrection to come. He's the ruler of all the kings of the earth. He's in charge. Of everything. Right? Rome, God was trying to show these believers, Rome is not the ultimate power. The USA is not the ultimate power. ISIS is not the ultimate power. Jesus Christ is in charge and He is the ultimate power. He reigns over everything. And then we're going to end with this thought. He's the one who loves us. He's the one who freed us from our sins by His blood. And He made us, you see it here in the, in the passage, a kingdom of priests. Jesus is all those wonderful, exalted things that are huge and we can't really wrap our minds around. But He is also the one that loves us. He loves you. So much so that He would give His life up for ours to be our ransom and make us, like verse 6 says, a kingdom in a kingdom of priests. Now look, what does that mean? Well, we get it from the Old Testament. Exodus 19, 5 through 6. Uh, God is speaking of Israel, His people, right? His Old Testament people. And He says of His people that they are, quote, My treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. First Peter picks up something similar. So do you see what that says, right? Again, or, or here we go already. An Old Testament you know, uh, idea, picture, and God is bringing it into the, uh, to Revelation. The way that God feels about His people, He says, you are my treasured possession. I love you more than anything else in the world. What Jesus loves and values more than anything is you and me. Let me end with this uh, illustration. It made me think of a classic children's book, 
Where the Wild Things Are. You grew up reading this? It's been around like 50 years or so. Uh, written by Maurice Sendak. Um, it's one that we read at our house on occasion. And it's basically the story of this little boy, Max. And he gets in trouble with his mom. Uh, it was causing a lot of trouble. And so his mom calls him Wild Thing. And he basically is rude to her, talks back to her. And so she sends him to his room. And so he's in his room, and he starts to imagine that he, uh, that he goes off to this faraway land uh, where the wild things are, these big, you know, monster creatures. And he actually gets to be king of the wild things. And so he gets to do whatever he wants, and they, you know, they do whatever he wants them to do. And so he's in charge. And, and, but what, he, uh, what ends up happening is, um, uh, where did it go? Um, yeah, the turning point of the book says this. And Max, the king of all wild things, was lonely and wanted to be where someone loved him best of all. And it's really powerful if you think about it. Right? This little boy, I mean, it, you know, in his, in his uh, sort of daydream, he gets, to do what, he gets to be in charge and do whatever he wants. But what he finds is that that doesn't really satisfy. And what he really wants more than anything else is to find somebody that, that loves him more than anything else in the world. That's what he really wants. And I know that that's what you really want too. And it's what I really want. That fundamentally what you and I want more than anything else is to be someone's treasured possession. Where someone would look at you, it's what you want in a a good husband or wife, right? Someone to look at you and say, I will give up everything if I can have you. You know you want that. And that is exactly what what the God of, of creation says of us. He comes to you and he says, I love you most of all. You are my treasured possession. And look, that love is free for you if you want it. That's the good news. Uh, The curtain of this world, right, that's pulled across this world says, um, God will love you if you you work hard enough, if you're good enough, uh, if you stop whatever it is you're doing that's wrong. If you start the good things and God pull... stick with us long enough right it only took 20 minutes you'll learn I'm, I'm a crier God pulls back the curtain of this world and he says I love you more than anything else and I love you for free I love you exactly the way that you are and he invites you to, to see behind the curtain and so I hope that you'll come and join us for the rest of the semester and, and see the unveiled truth. The unveiled truth that God loves you. Uh, I'm inviting you to come back. And He's inviting you to come to Him. More importantly. That's a real invitation. I hope you take it. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, that, uh, it seems too good to be true. Uh, but it is, it is true because you say it's true. Father, would you give us the grace to begin to believe it. Uh, to believe it again for the millionth time maybe. Uh, thank you for your grace and your love. and uh, we, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.